I'm Eric from Longbox Review. I'm Peter from The Daily Rios, and this is Eric and Peter's Legion Project. All right, welcome to this first episode of what Eric and I are calling the Legion Project Podcasts. Uh, We're just going to talk a little bit at the top here. We're going to give a little preamble, a little secret origin of what this podcast is about and um, why we feel we want to talk about the Legion. So, uh, Eric, how are you? I'm good, Peter. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So this has been like a long time in the making, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was something that we kind of batted around you know, we should talk Legion because we're both big Legion fans, Legion of Superheroes fans. And uh, I guess I should say Legion of Superheroes because people might think we're talking Legion TV show. But no, that's not what we're talking about. No, the, it's the oh. better Legion. Oh, have you seen Legion the TV show? No, I don't even need to. Oh, why not? It's good. <laughs> it's actually very good. I, I've, but, I've, heard, I've heard that, yeah. Yeah. But again, this isn't the Legion TV shows uh, podcast. So Legion of Superheroes, we're both big fans. Um, I guess one of the times that I guessed it on your show, we talked about, you know, hey, we should do a Legion focus. Um, But we could never really figure out where to start, right? Like that was the big thing. And I think one of my excuses was, oh, but Eric, I I have so much Legion to read leading up to wherever it is we want to talk, start talking about, right? Well, yeah. And so when you mentioned that, and I know you, Peter, you, you, you'd like to go back to the beginning and, and work your way through and make these connections <laughs> that, you know, to, to a legendary degree, you know, all the years I've listened to you on, on uh, comic geek speaking on your own show yeah, that I went out and bought <laughs> all of the, I was doing it anyway, but you know, cause I love the Legion, but I made sure that I went out and got all of the uh, the showcase presents black and white collections that DC put out over the years, so I could read all of those old Silver Age uh, uh, Legion comics leading up to you know what I consider the beginning of my Legion, which is uh, the, the Superboy and the Legion series. Oh well, let's talk about that. What is what is your Legion? So what around what issue is did you start reading Legion? Uh, it was in the two seventies, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's you know we 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 had you had me on your show to talk to do this like wide Legion of Superheroes spotlight, and I think I remember you saying that because I was jealous that you had started reading the Legion prior to the Great Darkness Saga. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, two Legion two sixty seven was one of my very first. Legion comics. I know there was another one where the uh, Legion was it the League of Assassins? Is that what they called themselves? Went yeah. after the Legionnaires, mm-hmm. uh, which actually ties into uh, what we're going to talk about here on this first episode. Uh, I don't remember what the what the issue was, but that was that was probably my first one, whatever that one was. Did you get far in? Uh, you said you bought all those showcases. It's my fault. I guess I owe you some money. Did <laughs> Did you get far on all of those? Or oh like no, where, I, I I didn't no. even start them. They're, oh, they're, sitting, <laughs> they're sitting on my shelves still. <laughs> See, you you have the same problem I do. You just yeah. it's, it's that collector mentality, and I've had Legion issues for years, decades that have gone unread. You know, like I've read some of the first issues. 
but not, you know, some of their first appearances, but that's it, you know. And then I don't think I really – well, I started at Legion of Superheroes 304. So we're talking, what, 82, 83, 1982, 1983. Those mm-hmm. were the issues that I, were, that I was picking up off the shelf. And then, you know, as you do, you collect back issues. So I certainly have read the Great Darkness Saga uh, in back issues. Um, but beyond that, like – yeah, there's there's maybe a handful of issues that I've read prior to the Great Darkness Saga. There's a lot of Legion history, Mike Grell, Dave Cockrum, Jim Shooter, stuff that, you know, I might have read uh, a reprint from DC Blue Ribbon Digest, or um, I might have read some random Mike Grell issue because... It was it it belonged to like my uncle and then he gave me a Legion comic, you know. So I didn't really start reading the Legion until three oh four and then I was pretty consistent for many, 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 many years. But um like you said, I wanted to go back and obviously you wanted to go back, but I guess we didn't do that. So uh, that's okay. <laughs> one, one day. Yeah. And I think that's important because I think that's something for this pe- listeners should know about this podcast. Like, we're not trying to go uh, Wikipedia annotation style, right? Like, this isn't a footnotes episode. This isn't, or like what I'm starting to do on the Daily Rios, these breakdown episodes. It's not like this massive, detailed, here's every little nugget of information. I think you and I just really are, are fans of these these characters in this book and we just want to talk about it so do you want to talk about uh, uh do you want to jump in to what we're going to talk about for this episode or is there more stuff yeah. to more preamble no, think, here no i think that's good so that was the confusing part right <laughs> that's what <laughs> we couldn't figure out where to start so why don't you let them know where we're, where we're going to start well we're going to start with uh legion of superheroes number one the first New material number one Legion of Superheroes issue that was ever published uh, from 1984. Uh, cover date, August 1984. We sort of felt like that was a good starting point. Yes, there's a lot of Legion history prior to that. But, you know, I'm a big fan of that 1984 run, you know, the, that's affectionately called the Baxter run. I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's one of the finest Legion runs it's it stays pretty consistent throughout the entire run um i know we're both fans of the five years later run well i'm a big fan have you read the five years later i can't remember now oh yeah yeah definitely that that is one of my favorite uh runs of that at least you know the the beginning part of that five year later run that uh, giffen and 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 company was doing and and I i think it was during that that legion uh spotlight episode that you and i did uh, on my show, uh, when we were, uh, it may have been off, off, uh, re- off recording um, when we were talking about this, but it was, it was a lot of, well, what, what, you know, if we're going to do this, what, what are we going to talk about? Is you know, is, are we going to talk five years later or, or something else? And and uh, I, again, during that that conversation that we were having, you were talking about this particular run, this the, the you know the Baxter run. Mm-hmm. And and I mentioned that there's a there's a there's a great amount of that after the beginning of it that I haven't read. Oh, e- good, yeah, e- right. Even though I have all I have all the issues, I just haven't gotten around to reading all of them yet. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the five years later run, I, I think our hearts were in it to kind of to start there, but that one is really complicated. Like I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine somebody who has no idea what the Legion is. I can't imagine what they would think hearing two people talk about that and gush about like all the big ideas and the interesting concepts. Like, you know, um, with the Baxter run, um, it's a little bit more new reader friendly. Um, I, I, I definitely want listeners to know that, um, like I said, we're not going to get, we're not going to go annotation style with this. I'm just going to assume that you've read the issue and you want to hear people talk about it, or you haven't read the issue and you think maybe it might be something interesting to listen to. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't think we're going to try to make this into like a new reader friendly kind of podcast. Um, there are a bunch of other Legion podcasts, which I'll talk about in a second, um, that um, really go out of their way to help uh, new listeners, and they explain a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those people that uh, I don't – in this kind of podcast where I'm fairly certain every episode that we do, we're just going to cover one issue of the Legion, um, there's no such thing as spoilers, right? Because spoilers are, to me, are when you're having a casual conversation and you don't want to necessarily spill – uh, a, a, an interesting twist or whatever. But if you're talking about a comic book, if it says in the title, Legion of Superheroes number one, a detailed look at the first issue of the Baxter run, blah, 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 blah. It's not a spoiler. It's a discussion. So, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hold back our conversations if we mention like stuff that happens in the Great Darkness saga or stuff that happens uh, e- even in the future you know, in issues down the road, you know, if it just happens to come up. So, um, um, but I like this notion that, that this might be stuff, this might be a series that you're going to find you, Eric, are going to find new stuff with because you haven't read most of it. Um, and it should be a fun conversation. You know, these first episodes are always so they're, they're trial runs, you know, they're just like, let's see what happens. (laughs) I'm not going to, you know, what, what I hate podcasts that have come out the gate and they're like, Oh, we have this detailed format and da da da. Okay, great. That's great. And there's nothing natural about it. Who knows, <laughs> who knows if this is going to be interesting, who knows what's going to come out of it. But at the very least, it gives us a chance to listen uh, or us a chance to talk about the lesion, which is something we've both wanted to do for a long time. And uh, you know, that way we're not talking to ourselves. We can actually talk to one another. Where, where do we go from here, Peter? Well, I did mention the other Legion podcasts. Um, uh, I have four that um, that I, I found. I don't know if you know any more. So there was one called the Super Future Friends that started in May of 2008. And there's, mm-hmm. only, there's only 38 episodes. Um, but I loved that podcast. It was with uh, Adrian, Adriana and Kristen, I believe their names were, um, where they went through the Legion in chronological order, but they were so funny and they came up with some really funny observations. Um, and they weren't so beholden to like, you know, 
oh, the Legion is great and you can't make fun of it. No, they, they, I, I, I loved it. I wish they would have kept that going. Have you listened to those, any of those episodes? Well, because of you, you mentioned them before uh, on your show, and I, I have listened to them, and, and you're right. Uh, they're quite enjoyable. It's, it's a pity that they didn't continue. Yeah. And they love the Legion, and, and I've gotten, I've met them at conventions. They're artists, um, creators, and uh, I got a couple sketches from them. And you can find some Legion um, artwork online from them. Um, and then in October 2008, the Legion of Substitute Podcasters started. And they are still continuing to this day with episode 461. Uh, the hosts are Paul and Darren um, and, uh, oh, I totally blanked on, on the other hosts. But they, they are, are all in with the Legion of Superheroes. Um, and they jump around a lot. They, they sometimes talk about newer Legion stories, older Legion stories. They do interviews. Um, I believe they probably looked at the Legion of Superheroes cartoon. So, I mean, like, they are your one-stop shop for all the Legion talk. They go pretty in-depth on, on their discussions, too. Yeah, I, their episodes are, you know, usually no less than an hour. Um, they're, they're a great bunch of guys. I mean, they're all people that I know I knew from the old CGS days. Matt, Matt and Scott, that, those were the other two I couldn't remember. So, yeah, Darren, Matt, Scott, and Paul. They're from all over. Paul's from Canada. I think Scott's from Canada. Darren's down in Atlanta. Um, I mean, if you just go to their website and hit a search for a storyline, a Legion storyline, or an interview, you're going to find something you're going to want to listen to there. So then in March 2014, um, there was a podcast called Eric and the Legion. It was kind of funny. It's like yeah. sort of like you. <laughs> but, I never uh, heard of this one. Yeah, there's no new episodes past January 2016, at least I, I, if my search is correct. Um, so he didn't get too far. I think he was also doing like a chronological listing. Um, and then February 2017, um, there's a podcast called The Legion Clubhouse, and they have 11 episodes so far. So uh, that one is a little bit more recent, and they are still going. So, so, so Peter, what, what do you think... So, like you said, there's there's a couple newer ones. We have a, a couple older ones. One that you know, the, the, the Legion of Substitute Podcasters has been going on for a while, and mm-hmm. they continue to put out episodes. But hearing you talk about these newer ones and the fact that we're doing this ourselves, what do you what do you account for that? What why this uh, resurgence in interest in the Legion of Superheroes? probably because there is no Legion of Superheroes comic right now. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all just being nostalgic. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I mean, I think the Legion is one of those concepts that we, you know, when we did that episode um, on your show about the Legion, which people should go listen to because that's a nice overview of what we feel about the Legion in general. Um, I think it's just one of those concepts that either you really love it or you try to avoid it because you think it's like this impenetrable wall, um, sort of like trying to get into the X-Men universe sometimes. Mm. Um, there's so much to talk about. I mean, we're not going back to the beginning. We're starting in 1984. Um, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to latch onto. I'm sure, you know, as we talk about this first issue, you and I are going to find different things that we like about um, this issue and and these characters and and concepts 
Um, the podcasting community is very large and wide, and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, God, there's probably about 50 Batman podcasts, you know, but I only really found about four to five Legion podcasts, you know. Mm. So why not one more? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, you know, I, I, sorry, I do, I do find it interesting too, uh, being, being the age that I am and <laughs> having started reading comics when I did, uh, I have, I have a, a long, well, I have a lot of years behind me in terms of my Legion reading. Um, uh, like we talked about before, you know, I started around the, the two seventies mark, uh, of, of the book, but it, it always strikes me as really cool that, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know the age of the people that are doing these other podcasts. I'm, I'm merely assuming that they are younger than I am, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that younger people are discovering these things that I have been reading for, well now decades right? Uh, or, or have fallen in love with these concepts like the Legion of Superheroes. Right. So I, it's really cool that, you know, comics has that lasting power. The, these, these characters have that effect on, on people of various ages and, and backgrounds. And, and I, I just think that's really cool that, you know, comics brings us together in, in, in a, in a fashion. And I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something new to discover in the back issue bins and, and, or, or on the new release rack. Um, and, uh, someone someone might listen to this episode and go, wow, you know what? I've never read The Legion. I'm going to go read The Legion. And they should. And they should. And you can. This um, this first storyline that we're going to cover um, has been traded in a, in a trade called Eye for an Eye. Um, uh, fairly recent, in the past couple of years, I want to say. And uh, the storyline itself that we're reading is five issues long. But as I said, we're only going to do one issue per episode which means of course that this could go on forever and ever and ever <laughs> that's right at least at least 63 episodes plus however many annuals there were for uh, um around oh, before the before the uh what zero was it zero hour no that no that's I'm, for I'm the five my... years later yeah yeah okay yeah the baxter run is 63 issues plus i want to say three or four annuals yeah okay so. Yeah, and Peter, it looks like that I for an I trade came out in in two thousand seven. Oh, so uh, if if uh, Amazon is to be trusted, okay. I thought there was like a re-release after there, that. Yeah, but, there might have been, and cool. and I I am shooting myself now for not getting it. Well, you have even, the issues, even though I have the issues. <laughs> <laughs> Don't double dip. Oh, it's too late. It's too uh, late. Yeah. You want to just shut up and start talking about the actual book now? Yeah. So uh, I have, uh, if if you don't mind, Peter, I have here a description of of the uh, the comic. Awesome. I don't I don't know if this is was taken from the solicitation back in the day or or this came from something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm getting this from a particular website here. But I I thought it'd be kind of nice to throw that out there. Okay. Uh, so. Legion of Superheroes, 1984, number one. Here a villain, there a villain. Beginning a new era in the lives of the Legionnaires. The Legion's first deluxe format issue opens the door on a suspenseful, very mysterious, and exciting five-part epic 
destined to be a classic. So this is why I like to read these things, Peter, because I always want to come back to this. <laughs> did, did, did they do their job? Uh, the Legion of Supervillains is back with a plan to destroy the Legion and the universe. Lightlass is kidnapped. The prisoners of Tekron Galtos are broken out. Microlad makes trouble. Well, this is kind of weird. Chameleon Chief, Ron Carr, and other nasties battle our heroes. And Dream Girl's lot is the worst, for she has had a vision that a Legionnaire will die. That's pretty good. That's, that's, like, that's like hitting all the major beats of this first issue. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of weird, though. <laughs> Microlad makes trouble. I, I, I mean, sure, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> considering what actually happens in, in the story, I'm like, hmm. Someone's uh, someone might be a Microlad fan. I'm I'm thinking, or or they're trying to make uh, make a little bit more out of it than, yeah. Or, you know, maybe I'm just not a Microlad fan. I don't know. <laughs> he's he's not. He you know he's he's the less threatening of the Legion of Supervillains. I would think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good synopsis. I mean, basically, this first issue is is. It's not necessarily putting you right in the middle of uh, a story, but it definitely, it definitely is thinking that you've probably read a Legion issue before this, right? Wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, because um, yeah. when I was reading it, when I was reading this first issue again, and I haven't read it in in decades. Same, you know. So I'm reading it and going. This is a number one issue. So, I mean, it's totally antithetical to what happens today, I think, when, when someone puts out a, a, a new uh, a number one comic. At the, at the very least, we get, you know, with Marvel at least, we get this recap page explaining everything you need to know to get people in, which I'm not, it's not a complaint. I'm just saying that that's, that's kind of how uh, new number ones at Marvel are, are kind of put out there these days. Uh-huh. But this book... There are some things happening, like like uh, you know mentions the Dream Girl's vision. Uh, actually, she calls it a prophecy in the story. Uh, so I read that in this first issue, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is this is a new number one comic, but it's it's acting as if it is the next issue of the previous uh, issue mm-hmm. in, in many ways. And so I had to I had to go pull out. Uh, issue 313 of the previous volume of Legion of Superheroes to see uh, are there direct ties to what's going on in issue number one. And indeed, uh, at the very least, the the uh, the prophecy that Dream Girl has um, is in that issue. I mean, there there are characters in here that aren't in costume. And if you don't know who they are by their code name or their real name, I mean, there's nothing to help you. Right. And I don't think of that as a fault. I never really think of that as a fault um, unless it's sort of confusing. I mean, to me, um, it's a group of large cast of characters and the fun of it is learning who they are. Like, again, my first issue was Legion of Superheroes 304. Do you know what that issue was about? It was about the Legion Academy. It wasn't even oh. a, it wasn't even about the Legion of Superheroes, so it's like not only are you trying to figure out who the main characters are, now we got a whole bunch of supporting characters, um, and I loved it because it, to me it was like, oh, I get to figure it out, or I have to figure it out, or let me read some more comics, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a first issue. Paul Levitz, Keith Giffen. I mean, they're not uh, they're not slouches, and this is the height of the Legion. 
um, in terms of publishing. I mean, they were the number two book at DC at this time, with New Teen Titans being the number one book. And um, they very much wanted to give a story that um, didn't talk down to readers. And uh, I was surprised after I read this first issue, just to give like a a quick overview um, of how interesting it actually was. And uh, um, there are some things in it that I'm like, wow, you know what? A new reader is definitely not going to understand that. Nope, they're not going to know that. Um, But you have this interesting switch between some some character character stuff some character interplay um obviously there's some drama and some fight scenes in it some of the fight scenes feel uh like we joked about microlad right like that feels almost comical um kind of lighthearted and i think it has less to do about microlad and more about like let's showcase shrink- the new shrinking violet let's showcase starboy and dream girl you know but then you get another uh, a couple more fight scenes later on that are serious, sometimes deathly so. And I like that balance. I like that the writers, the creators can, uh, that they kind of can switch back and forth and create drama. Um, Paul Levitt certainly is no stranger to that. Keith Giffen as well. So I, as I, like I said, as I read it and I'm certain I'm reading it with rose colored glasses and with nostalgia and all that. But, uh, uh, as when I got done, I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, that was that first issue, wasn't it?" What do you think of it as a whole? Well, it was it was really kind of strange for me to go back to this after, like I said, this it's the first time I've read it in decades. But I have, I don't know, the, the certain comics I have such a a vivid recollection of, and this one is one of those. So even <laughs> though I said before that I had there's there's a large portion of this volume of the legion of superheroes that i have not read this one i did uh when it when it was published back in 1984 you know i picked it up i was reading the other volume of course at that time and you know i I knew about this new baxter edition of the legion of superheroes just like i knew about the the new teen titans and and i bought that first issue and the weird thing, Peter, was that for some reason I decided I'm not going to continue buying this Baxter version because I knew at that time, and I'm not sure how I knew. Maybe I think maybe it was in in the letter. Yeah, it was in. It was one of the in the one of the previous issues, uh, 312, I think it was, of the other volume where they they announced this, or or at least they were they were talking about it to make sure that we readers knew that what they were up to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, I think it was Paul Levitz in the letter column there was talking about it, how that in 12 issues from now, from then, they were going to start reprinting the the stories that in the Baxter version in the what would then become the tales of the Legion of Superheroes. Right. And so I decided that I was going to wait <laughs> for some stupid reason. Um I think mostly because the, the 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 tales book was a bit cheaper because uh, the the Baxter comic was a buck fifty, and the the tales was seventy five cents. Right, right. So you know why would I pay double for the same comic? Hmm. But I like I said I did buy this first issue, and it has always stuck with me all these years. 
in part because of the interesting cover. Uh, there's a couple of things about the cover I, I just find really interesting. Maybe we'll talk about those. Yeah. But then also just the quality of 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 the work on the page. You know, the they weren't kidding when they talked about how the the Baxter stock, the this this thicker, whiter paper really made the art stand out. Yeah. And especially because I pulled out that the reprint issue that I have, which is issue three twenty six of the Tales of the Legion. And comparing the 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 uh, the print job between the two, it, it is like universes apart in quality. Right. And I think that's why, in part, why I decided, you know, years later that I went back and bought all of the Baxter issues <laughs> of this volume of the comic because it was just so much better. But yeah. I, but I did enjoy it. It, it, it. There's a lot of stuff in here, like you said, all you know, all the various uh, plot beats that you mentioned. Um. You know, what really struck me is is uh, uh, Shrinking Violet's, it's not her return after what happened with her in, in the previous volume, but it is uh, a continuation of that because in, in one of the other previous issues of the of the previous volume, we see her, she's been healed, she, mm-hmm. she's she got a, a new costume, um, but new we, I, I, yeah, exactly, she's, she's almost a new character I, not even almost. She's a new character with the same name, but in this comic, you really see the depth of what happened with her before come out and how much it's affected her. And I, out of everything in here, um, well, other than the the uh, the scene at Takrangaltos with the Daxamite and what happens there, uh, I think the stuff with Shrinking Violet really uh, struck a chord with me. Hmm. That's cool. All right. Well, we'll we'll get into that as we go through some of the issue. You said you had stuff about the cover. Well, I was going to ask you a question about it, but I wanted to to point out real quick. Um, I think if memory serves, and my memory is usually notoriously bad, but this is probably the first time I ever saw a a silver print on on a comic because the uh. the the masthead, the title, is this silver color on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on 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 the on the cover, and I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah, like pre um, comic cover gimmick. Um, well, you know what? Now that I say that, um, whenever DC would do their like, hey, we're celebrating a fiftieth issue or fiftieth anniversary, I think they also used gold at that time. Like they okay. used. Um, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about, um, tales of the teen Titans 50 with Donna Troy's wedding, um, mm-hmm. that had gold print. Um, I don't know if the Legion of superheroes issue 300 had any kind of like special print. I can't remember. Um, but I do remember tales of the teens, which, which actually chronologically comes out after this issue. So it would be, I'd be curious to go back and look at some other anniversary issues. Um, Maybe this is the first one that that did that. That would be kind of interesting to to discover. Wait, so so the are you saying that the the new Teen Titans Baxter issue first issue came out after the Legion did? No, the the um, Tales of the Teen Titans, the wedding issue. Oh, okay, sorry. Right, yeah, that came out like in another because uh, right now um, Legion number one of the Baxter Run and Titan new New Teen Titans number one of the Baxter Run came out relatively the same time. 
mm-hmm. and Leg- uh, Tales of the Teen Titans at this time was just after the Judas contract. So that puts it at like issue 45, 46. Right. So mm-hmm. the wedding issue is soon after this. But I know there was a World's Finest comic issue probably around this same time or maybe right before it. Um, and that hit um, issue, well, I want to say 300. Yeah. Yeah. And that might have um, some kind of special ink. Uh, I think you're right. I have that issue. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that you, that you were correct about that. Yeah, it had that little gold metallic ink. I'm looking, mm-hmm. looking at the cover right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I I dig the cover. I I don't know why. I, it's um, it's uh not violent, but it's it's like dramatic, right? In your face, and look at Colossal Boy with his face all in rage. You have characters in here that don't even show up in the issue, like Timberwolf. <laughs> um, no, not Timberwolf. Um, Block and Dawnstar and Wildfire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look at Monel. Like, he's not, he's like sort of covering his face. But right away, like, I, if you see his hair, Monel's hair, it is really black. It's like a flat black. And in the issue, I dug that, um, like, Shadowlass at times. She, her cut, the coloring with her is really black to the point that sometimes when her cowl is up around her head, you don't even see her hair. It kind of blends in with the cow yeah. and you just see the blue of her face. And, you know, this is like you said, the execution, the production values of this book um, are, are very, very noticeable right away, especially if you were reading um, uh, the, the newsprint stuff uh, from the new, you know, from the, from the tales of the Legion of superheroes or like the scene on Wyneth with, uh, with light lass and she's like under a canopy of leaves and there's like this real shadow effect all over the place. And they, yeah. they're like purposely going, you know, we're not, we don't want it to be clear. We want it to be shadowy. So the cover has always been one of my favorites for the Legion. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned that particular um, that scene. You, do you, you call it Wynath? Yeah. Yeah. See, so, I always, I always pronounced it Wynath. So they they address that in um, Legion of the Three Worlds around the times of time of Final Crisis, okay, um, where they brought all the different various versions of the Legion from the different reboots, right? And one of the reboots calls it um, Winath, Winath. One of it calls it Winath, but the more established legion uh they they addressed it as being wineth huh okay so, and i think part of that was part of the joke of having that scene is because nobody knows how to pronounce it <laughs> much like so. uh uh many of the characters names or in other home planets as well exactly exactly that's part of the fun i used i used to just just a stupid aside but it does have a legion connection i always pronounced dark side dark seed for the longest time until I saw uh, the uh, the Super Friends uh, series where Darkseid appeared. Mm-hmm. And and it took a long time for that pronunciation to worm its way into my brain to be, you know, <laughs> the correct one. Right. So I'm sure the same thing will happen with Wynath now. 
or 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 some of their other names or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Anything else so, about the cover? Yeah, just so uh, it's probably just a stupid little thing, but why do you think that they threw in three characters on the cover that didn't even appear in the the comic? Well, I sort of think that because this was a, a big deal for them, they needed a promotional image. They just needed a cover for the first issue, and uh, um, I'm going to speculate that that's why they did that. So even today, right, I just found for the first time, um, and I sent it to you, and we can post it in the show notes, um, they used, uh, there was a house ad, a DC Comics house ad that I had never seen before for this series, um, and it's from back issue number 68 from Tomorrow's Publishing, um, which is like a whole Legion-focused issue. So there was an article by Philip Schweier that featured this house ad for the Legion, and um, it's it's this cover, and uh, on it it says, um, an epic for our time from a time yet to come. And it's this cover, and then the background is like a whole bunch of years uh, in the future, 2244, 2724, etc., Legion of Superheroes, deluxe format, number one. Interesting that they call it deluxe format, number one. From the new DC, there's no stopping us now. So my thinking is they just needed an image to help promote it before maybe they truly finished the inside of the book. And um, uh, knowing Keith Giffen from his interviews and stuff and, and from like a few interviews I've done, I think I, I, think I did one interview with him, um, he has his favorites, and he probably said, "Well, I'm going to draw my favorites on the cover." I don't, you know. Mm. And uh, visually, I think it's an interesting look too, right? Like Colossal Boy as a background character is awesome. Um, Block is interesting. Wildfire, Dawnstar with her wings. Um, that would be my guess. Mm. That that totally makes sense. Yeah. You want to jump into the story itself? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I have um, questions for you too. Good. Good, good, good. <laughs> I love the opening sequence. So it's a book called Legion of Superheroes, and the first thing that you're introduced to is the Legion of Supervillains. And I thought that was great. I thought it gave a, a real nice sense of foreboding. Um, it puts you right in the middle of, like, their plans. Um, um, the threat is kind of laid out on the table right of way. And... Um, um, just like with the Legion of Superheroes, one of their main characters is Lightning Lad. We kick it off with his counterpart and his older brother, Lightning Lord. And we learn that each member of the Legion of Superheroes has to kill one of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, and uh, I, I, I thought it was great. Really, really nice um, intro to set the mood. Have you read the Legion Companion from Tomorrow's Peter? No, and I was kicking myself that I don't own that. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. So <laughs> I was looking through my copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, another thing that I bought in in, in uh, anticipation of us talking eventually. Uh, but there there's a bunch of interviews in there with Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen. And I was looking specifically for things that they said about this particular uh, uh, launch, relaunch of, of the book in the, in the Baxter edition. And one thing that, because you're talking about the Legion of Supervillains here, uh, one of the things that struck me as really interesting was uh, they wanted to do 
this big storyline with the Legion battling their their villainous counterparts because it's not something that uh, Paul Levitz particularly likes to do. He 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 made some mention of he doesn't like to do like big group things, which is why. <laughs> You get a lot of these Legion stories where it's just a you know a handful of the the the, the, the total roster mm-hmm. of the Legion, and doubly the same for the villains. So he would often pit the Legion up against um, you know uh, one villain or you know just a handful of characters because he just for some reason he he just doesn't feel like he does a good job at doing large group stories. Mm. But because of this you know this 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 new book. And the, what they wanted to, you know, one of their goals was to basically push the boundaries of what they want to accomplish artistically, you know, you know, big A and little A artistically. So they, they decided they were going to do this, this, uh, this storyline featuring the Legion of Supervillains. I just thought that was really cool. And they haven't been shown often. I mean, a lot of the stories, I, I haven't read it, but I, I, I did a quick research of the Legion of Supervillains. It was really a concept um, that played out with the adult legion of superheroes. So they would have like these imaginary stories about the legion of superheroes as adults. And that's where they really fought the legion of supervillains. And I think there might have been one or two stories of the legion in present day when they would actually fight some version of, of like the legion of supervillains. But this is like the biggest boldest grouping of those characters so i mean it sort of makes sense especially after you know the great darkness saga for the legion is a huge huge storyline and you got to do something to to you know drum up excitement so why not use um um you know the the arch villains of these characters bring them together and throw them against it's interesting that paul levitz would say that though because i mean this whole book is an ensemble book I mean, I sort of understand what he says. He only uses a few at the time, but it's still a large cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And and all of them, at this point, you know, Paul Levitz really has <clears throat> a good grasp of their their voices, their characters, um, um, their interactions with each other, the way they joke with each other, the different romances. I mean, that's why he wrote this book for about 100 issues or whatever it was. Maybe maybe he's just being modest, but uh, yeah, because you're you're exactly right. He had a grasp on these characters and 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 uh, just the concept in general that um, few have been able to uh, challenge him with right. in, in in their telling of of these characters, the telling of the stories of these characters. Yeah, I mean, even in this first sequence, the first these first three pages. Um, you know, Lightning Lord is sort of setting the 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 the, the tone, but in, in a way, he's almost talking to himself. the 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 panels where he's talking to the other members of the Legion of Superheroes, I mean, supervillains. The panels are rounded, so that means that that's a flashback. He's actually remembering when he took the blood oath uh, to say that he's going to kill his brother, and then it goes back to him because it. In the regular page, he's looking out the window, right? And he's just sort of talking to himself, or maybe he's talking to somebody in the background. But in this sequence where he does the blood oath, he's on a balcony, and it's not raining. 
but uh, when he's at the window, it's raining and there's a thunderstorm. So right there speaks a lot about how Paul Levitz as a writer. Oh, my God, Peter, you just blew my mind. I, I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah. It, that that makes so much more sense now. Mm-hmm. Son of a gun. It's amazing what you find out uh, uh, 35 years later, something like that. I mean, that's a tool that not a lot of people use anymore, the whole rounded panel yeah. thing to suggest uh, something that happened you know, previously. Well, there's, there's also a, la- a later thing that I'll, that I'll bring up when we get to that, but uh, also panel borders are, are, are played with in this issue. So yeah. I, I'm really embarrassed that I, I missed that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be. I'm sure, I'm sure as a kid I didn't realize that. Well, it just sort of felt a kid. Sure. But, but even now uh, (laughs) I totally missed that on my reread for this. Yeah. And, and notice too, since we're talking about panels on the page, one thing I love about this book and, and I totally missed this, you know, when I first read it, but, but rereading it again here, Giffen is playing around with, with the white space between the panels on here there, there's you know if you think of uh of maximizing your page to get as as, as much or or the most amount of images on a page to get your you know quote-unquote money's worth out of your comic um he's disappointing you in the sense that he's he's got all these different shapes uh different sizes of panels and uh things are are grouped in in such a way and i'm, I'm looking at page three here where there's a bunch of white space here but He's directing your eye. He's he's uh, uh, giving us a tone by doing this, and I I don't know that I remember seeing that in like the the previous volumes issues. Uh, now I want to go back and take a look at that. But uh, and I'm also curious to see if this kind of experimentation or just you know playing around on the page continues. Yeah, it's one of the reasons he really wanted to work on the Legion in the first place because he felt he could do things like this because it was a series set in the future. And I think I even read an article where he said, you know, he sort of felt like other artists didn't really take advantage of the fact that it was in the future. Not in, not even in terms of like sci-fi technology or anything like that, but just, you know, like look at the next sequence, you know, the next sequence, the next um, scene uh, with Starboy and dream girl and this is where we get Micro Lad, which we talked about. You know, um, they're they're on a, a the, they're on the planet called Ventura, which is like a Las Vegas planet. Um, or like think of like in Star Trek, uh, Risa, planet that, where everybody goes to you know relax or I don't know. It's like a pleasure planet almost. Um, mm-hmm. um, that first establishing shot of all the buildings is, is cramped and weird and the architecture doesn't make sense, but it's the future and it's not supposed to make sense. And, and it's, these, these pages are, are stuffed. There's a lot of information here, you know, visually. Um, and it's not always the easiest to look at or read, but I think the challenge is what makes it so great. I think what he brings to the the page is, is, it's uh, storytelling, you know, that close up. I mean, he's, he's in his, um, Jose Munez phase right now. Um, if you don't know who that is, that was a, an artist that Keith Giffen basically ripped off. Um, and he freely admits, he freely admits that, uh, 
he was in he was looking at Jose Muñez he was an Argentinian artist um uh Sin City was very inspired by his artwork so if you know Sin City like all that black and white noir work um I think they call it like chiaroscuro artwork or something like that um he was inspired by it and he was totally ripping it off totally ripping it off in this um close ups of faces and eyes um the heavy black inks and all that, like that was it. That was, he was like all about it and freely admitting that he was ripping it off, <laughs> but it was a good storytelling feature. That's one of the things I like about Giffen is that he's, he, he freely admits this, that, that he's, you know, inspired by, if, if not ripping off, <laughs> you know, by, by another artist. And, and that scene where you, you talked about the, the, the buildings, you know, that establishing shot, you know, that, that kind of reminds me of Kirby, you know, in, in the sense of the busyness, the, 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 the circuitry, the, that kind of stuff that Kirby liked to do, like to play around with, like to show us. And, and considering where Giffen goes with his art as, as the series continues, especially in like the five year later uh, part. And right. even, even later, like I'm um, thinking of the, the Legion of Supervillains special that they did around the, maybe right before the new 52 or it was somewhere in there, or maybe it was after the new 52 that he did. I mean, you know, to me, he's, he's definitely channeling Kirby to some degree in, in his later work. Oh yeah. He was a Kirby clone when he first started, like his, his defender stuff. Um, he again, freely admits that when he worked for Marvel, that was the house style. Like you just had to sort of ape Kirby so um, that sort of bombastic artwork, I know that I know that issue you're talking about. Um, he definitely has put that in his toolbox, and that's why I think he's uh, such a dynamic uh, artist. I think that's why he's such a good storyteller. Like his sequentials are interesting, um, and he does a lot of breakdown work that for for other artists that. Um, um, you just you can see what kind of storytelling artist he is. There's a couple of things in this this first page of the of that next sequence uh, on Ventura. This is a this was a staple in in the Legion comics where we get these little uh, uh, caption boxes that give us bits of information about about place mm-hmm. or or certain um, uh, characters. You know, uh, usually it was the Encyclopedia Galactica, I believe, Mm -hmm. that we got a lot of excerpts from. But this one is the UP Economic Statistics uh, (laughs) about Ventura. So I I just that was one of the things I loved about Legion Comics is that we get just, you know, just a few words, a paragraph uh, essentially about, uh, uh, you know, basically setting us in in place. You know, what what is this place? What is it about? Um, Totally superfluous, uh, superfluous um, given what we read on the page. I mean, we could get that, you know, anyway, without neat, without having the caption box. But it's you know, it's it's like it's like uh, going home uh, um, from from college, going back home for the first Thanksgiving, and you walk in and and your mom's baking apple pie or whatever, and it's you know, you're home. Right, <laughs> and to me, those little capture boxes coming back to this again is like, oh, I'm home with the Legion. It's yeah. it's so great. <laughs> and look at this first page. I mean, they don't even call each other Starboy or oh, I guess no. There is one narrate narration uh, word balloon that says uh, the room clerk told me it's Starboy and Dreamgirl, but they call each other by 
each other by their names, Nora yes. and Tom or Thom. I, I love that. I love yeah. that they, they started doing that. Because it never made sense to me that when, when superheroes, whether it's the Legion or the Justice League or the Titans, where if they're just hanging out, why would you not call, you know, uh, Dick, Dick and, 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 uh, uh, Joe, Joe, you know, things like yeah. that. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I love that they started doing this, even though I think that, um, you know, it's kind of impenetrable for new readers coming in with so many characters and the fact that they have these weird names and, uh, and, and, and the characters are, are using those instead of the superhero more, perhaps more well-known superhero names, but I totally love it. Yeah. And you get it in these pages. I mean, they 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 mention that that she's had a prophetic vision, like you said, uh, that one of the legionnaires is going to die. Um, we get Micro Lad, who is robbing the cashier of this casino, and right away you get you know Star Boy's Star Boy's powers. Um, obviously, when when he sends off his little beams, um, things get heavy. Because uh, you know, either because of gravity or whatever, and we see that micro micro lad can shrink, and uh, Dream Girl can she can foresee everything that this battle bot can do, so she can outmove it and outgun it and take it down easily. So um, it's that's that to me is that's good writing. That's good writing right there. Is this the first time we've seen Dream Girl use her abilities in that way? Oh, I, I mean, I, there's so much I haven't read that I would have no. <laughs> it, it, it struck me as, you know, again, bad memory and whatnot, but it seemed to me like, or at least I was remembering that that was the, probably the first time that I'd seen her used in that way. And I thought that was really cool. Well, I mean, her powers didn't ever really seem that immediate, right? It was always she had to put herself to sleep. Yeah. So that which she is could... totally uh, uninteresting visual. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if you have to sleep to use your power, <laughs> it, it it wasn't so offensive. You know, she didn't use it for the offense like she's doing here. Um, which you know, if that's a nice, if that's a a, a way to, I I've, I've read in a couple of places that the creators had a Legion Bible that was like pages and pages and pages long of locations and costumes and character stuff. So. Um, you know, that's an it's an interesting way to grow the legion of grow these characters a little bit. You know, move them away from just their simple powers and try to give them something more. And you know, we, I, I mentioned the the art uh, on the on the Baxter paper. The one thing that, uh, especially comparing it to the the tales issue, is the uh, the use of of Tom's power, uh, um, Starboy's power, where you get this this uh, gray, kind of spotty looking. You know, it kind of looks like like we're looking at a part of space in a in a way. Um, whereas in the the tales book, it's really dark and muddy and and mm. not not very visually interesting looking. But I again like with with uh, Dream Girl's uh, power. It, I I I think maybe this is the first time we've seen. Starboy use that kind of grayish, I don't know, uh, beam or whatever. I'm not even quite sure how to accurately describe it, but I, I always thought that was cool. Yeah. It's good. The visual language of the Legion of Superheroes is very important. Mm-hmm. 
And then it's mirrored, you know, you, you have a little bit of the, the, these these dots in within that gray uh, area of his power. And then you go to the next scene, which is uh, Colossal Boy and his wife, uh, Yura. Uh, and then you get uh, uh, Computo with his little Kirby Crackle mm-hmm. look. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting thing, too, uh, seeing again, because it's, again, not they're not in costume. And the only thing you can either recognize visually is that uh, uh, I never know how to say his name. If it's Gim or Jim, um, I assume it's probably Jim. Yeah, I always pronounce it Jim. Yeah, but it's spelled G-I-M. He has his Colossal Boy emblem on his lapel. And, you know, every Legion member, if you go back to the first page, has their own little icon that um, represents who they are on what's called the mission monitor board. And his is this, well, it's a symbol for uh, a man. It's, it's the, the symbol for a male, but it's like rather enlarged and it has an arrow going in one direction. So it's kind of, it's kind of to suggest that the, this man can get bigger. And there it is on his lapel, and that's the only way you—that's the only visual cue you have that this is Colossal Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and his face is covered in in both panels that he's shown, yeah. which is which is weird. You normally wouldn't get that, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I think part of it too is that he's trying to sneak out a little bit—not sneak out, but he's that, trying. To that's like, true. Yeah, he's trying to get the hell out of there. He's finally yeah. grown up. He wants to leave the Legion headquarters. He he's got a new. Uh, are they married yet? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because they got they they were married under false pretenses oh, when that's right. when Yura was pretending to be Violet. Right, 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 right. And he he stayed with her after even after uh, he found out the truth. Yeah, which which I thought was always a really cool thing that they did. You know, they could have just as easily written Yura out after that storyline was over. Yeah. And and yet they, they continued on. And I thought that was a rather, you know, adult way to approach the situation for, you know, for, for a bunch of teenagers, future teenagers. (laughs) And look at like the Legion of superhero, the headquarters, you don't even see the full effect of it. You just see sort of like a, it's just like a portion of it. Yeah. You would, you would think that there would be like this grand, shot shot of the legion headquarters in the first issue of the of the new book but there's just so much going on here and computo as the major domo of the of the headquarters is always such an interesting concept considering he's been a villain in the past and now he's like this floating floating butler did you did did you notice uh speaking of computo there um so uh, you know there there's the whole interlac uh, uh, alphabet mm-hmm. that is prominent uh, in this issue and many others, of course. But that Ventura scene, I was going through and translating <laughs> all of the all of the signs and 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 whatnot, tr- trying to see what you know things were saying. Maybe there were hidden some hidden messages or jokes or something, right? Uh, which there aren't, uh, as far as I know. But uh, but I noticed though that Computo here is shown with um, he, you know it's it's C two. Yeah, the designation there, you know, Computo Two. I thought that was well. It's one of those things that I hadn't noticed before uh, when I read it the first time, and and 
I just thought that was cool. Hey, can detail. we go? Can we go back to that that um, uh, that uh, that first page mm-hmm. and uh, that wheel? Mm-hmm. So I, I forgot to mention this before. So I was going to challenge you to name all of them, or I know you you can name all of them going around the wheel, but I was going to see how fast it took you. <laughs> so you can you could decide if you want to do that or not. I mean, but, it's every uh, it's all the legion. But yeah, but but so you have the outer wheel. I, I just you know just thinking about this from a from a logical standpoint. Right. So one of these guys made this wheel, and they put they put all the legionnaires around the outside of the wheel, and then somebody thought, hey, we have the reservist legionnaires. We got to kill them too, but we're out of room, or we don't want to resize everything. So let's put them on the inner circle. Right. <laughs> I just thought, you know, somebody's really thinking about this a little too much. Yeah. Maybe it's me. <laughs> it's an interesting look, though. I do. I've, I always like Oh, that yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing that Giffen had a lot of fun designing that. Again, I, I, I see a lot of Kirby here with that, that face in the middle. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very uh, fourth world source wall kind of stuff to me. Right, right. Interesting mosaic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's keep pushing through so we don't get too caught up. In, uh, mm-hmm. So we get uh, an interlude. We get one of those captions again. Um, so this next sequence is playing off of the events from the Great Darkness Saga where the Legion of Superheroes are finally done terraforming the planet Daxum because Darkseid had shaped it. He had his minions shape it into the face of Darkseid. Um and again, this is like you said before, this, this, you wouldn't know this unless you were a reader of the Legion of Superheroes. But it's an interesting character piece, you know? You get Mon-El and Shadowlass, they're a couple. Um, Ultra Boy um, is obviously someone who's very powerful. Um, Chameleon, uh, the Chameleon Boy, the way they talk to each other. There's Timberwolf. There's just some interesting camaraderie going on here but also some some playfulness that i that i really like about that sequence that and ultra boy being kind of introspective you know he he crushes that that rock you know uh, cam says something about uh another rock or something and 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 uh joe says nope it's it's uh, another handful of fresh earth and then there's a later scene in, in the same issue featuring Ultra Boy that, that I want to talk about because I it seems I want to th- I want to believe Peter that that uh, Ultra Boy was a favorite of both uh, Levitz and Giffen, especially when you flash forward to the five year later run, at least that first you know that first arc essentially um, that f- prominently featured Ultra Boy, uh, which I totally loved because he's he's my favorite Legionnaire. And then they get a warning that uh, something bad is happening on Tacron Galtos, which is the prison planet. Um, I always like I always like Tacron Galtos. I always like the prison planets that mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's the, my favorite, my probably my favorite scene in the book, and which I alluded or talked about a little bit before. But uh, this is Microlad versus Shrinking Violet, and you know it's only. It's only essentially three pages. Uh, this this little confrontation, but that first page, I just I love the shadow the shadows in this. You know, the darkness, the the 
the surprise, you know, you, you, you turn the page and, and, uh, we see shrinking violet for the f- first time in this issue so far, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he, Michael Lad shows his, his, uh, utter disdain for her. Um, you know, cause they have a history from, from, like I said before, she was, she was, uh, replaced by Yura in a previous storyline and uh, Microlad had something to do with that. I don't remember the details. Uh, so here's here's Shrinking Violet uh, giving a little payback. And boy, howdy, does she show some uh, some uh, fighting skills that I don't think we've ever seen from her before. Yeah, it's great. And it's a great use of, like, not only the fighting, but also because they're small and then they can grow big. She, you know, she makes a point of saying that she is totally outclassing him when it comes to using their powers, um, in combat like this. And, uh, um, we've seen her, like you said, we've seen her in the tales of the Legion of superheroes. Um, we, we saw her get a new look. We saw her confront an ex-boyfriend, but if there's any doubt, you know, Previous to this, there's no doubt anymore that she's a new character. She is not one to mess with, and she's not going to be a. Pr- uh, she's kind of moved away from her from her trauma, you know. Like maybe she's finally healed, both physically and maybe not so much mentally, because I know there's some stuff that will come up. But um, um, she will not let herself be tortured or used again. And you mentioned too uh, the um, uh, Monel, his his hair being you know just black, and and we get that with her too, which is which is curious because on the next on the next page that I'm looking at here there is a character called Sarah, who has the traditional black hair, but it's that that blue tinged hair that we always got in comics for people that had dark hair, right? So it's so it's interesting that that so far. Up to this point, we've seen characters with black hair, and it's black. You know, it's not this blue tinge thing that we're used to seeing. But yet, there's another character that does. So it was an interesting, I don't know, it, it, to me, it's an interesting visual as to the choices that they're making about little things like the color of a character's hair. Yeah. That I don't think we, you know, we really get, maybe not so much got in the previous volume of the series. Yeah. I don't know if it has, you know, does it have to do with the the fact that it's the, the Baxter paper? Probably. I think they knew that this was, you know, this was a special issue. They they had to step up their game, you know. They they wanted to step up their game, I should say. Um, um, they knew that this book was, was important. So everybody, I mean, I think that's why the artwork is the way it is, the story. Um, yeah, it's 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 an important issue. And Microlag getting caught or getting teleported away, you know, like the 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 building of the Legion of Supervillains is is definitely beginning. This is really the first time that that the Legionnaires get an inkling that something's going on, right? Yeah, there's been hints. There was hints like scattered in the previous volume, but it wasn't in front of a Legion. I don't a Legionnaire member. I don't think. Um, but even here, they're not quite sure what's going on. Later on, we'll get a, a scene that that they obviously figure out what it is then. Yeah. Cause so see, yeah, Microlad gets sucked into what looks like a portal and you get this voice coming through 
you know, coming to us must be micro lad vengeance to be done. And I'm, it's sort of cryptic, but at the same time, why, why is this guy announcing? <laughs> and it's, it's even worse later in the issue where basically they, they announce that they're forming the Legion of supervillains yeah. right in front of the Legion of, of superheroes. Now, maybe that's a psychological thing or, you know, maybe it's just because of the, the, uh, that particular character on the villain side who just can't seem to shut his mouth. I don't know, but it's, it's, it always struck me again. It's one of those logical things that I I get, I get kind of sucked into is why would you, why would you do this when you're, when you're trying to, to, to kill the Legionnaires, why would you give them uh, a warning? Drama. It's all for drama. Yeah. 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 Um, This scene on wine, if we get another, attack from a member of the Legion of Supervillains this time with a character that is normally could be looked at as being like sort of silly that uh, radiation Roy but he takes out Lightlass um, violently and um, it's interesting because they know that Lightning Lord wants to go after Lightning Lad but then they kidnap her uh, you know, so we've already seen like one connection to the Lightning family, and and Lightning Lass is the sister of Lightning Lad. So, um, I thought this was interesting that they went after her. Uh, it seems very calculated and uh, uh, very harsh, almost um, the way it's done. Um, but I mean, as we'll find out in later issues, you know, the writers definitely had a plan for her. It's interesting too, like you say, with Radiation Roy. I got the impression that earlier on in the issue when, when, we're, when we were with the villains and with uh, Lightning Lord, um, they, I think they say something about each, each one of them chose their, their victim. Hmm. He said the others might have had to consider their choices. But, yes, okay. But, but mine was predestined from his miserable birth. Exactly. So, I don't know, does... Is there a, a history between Radiation Roy and and uh, and Lightlass that I'm forgetting about? It just it just seemed odd that that pairing. Well, this that's why I think it's it's not necessarily. Part of me thinks that like, again, I haven't. It's been a while since I've read the later issues, but he didn't kill her, right? And that's what the that's what the the vow is that you pick a legionnaire and you have to kill him him or her. But they, so he didn't kill her. He's just, he blatantly captures her and says, I have light last. So I forget, like, is this the way, because the Legion of Supervillains in the beginning, in that first sequence, they say to, to Lightning Lord, you know, you're going to go through with this, right? You're not going to have any sudden weakness because he's a family member. So is by kidnapping light last, the Legion of Supervillains way of, of making sure that he goes through with it so that uh, maybe they have like blackmail material on him or they, they say, well, let's kidnap her because if he doesn't go through with killing lightning lad, maybe we, we will kill lightning last. So I forget how this plays out. So maybe that's something we'll have to look for in next, in the next couple of issues. Well, and that's, yeah, that's exactly, that's the thing too. Cause like I said, I haven't, I haven't read this storyline in decades. I honestly do not remember 
what happens after this first issue. Uh, I you know oh, there's, there's something coming there's something coming up that's a, you know the 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 the, uh, the legionnaire who dies I know that yeah I know that's that plot point but beyond that I really do not know where this is going so this oh, is cool. this is going to be fun to explore this yeah. but I had that in my notes too uh, when I got to this scene I'm like I thought we were they were supposed to kill him so what what is the deal here with Lightlass and are they going to do this with other legionnaires so yeah yeah so th- I think they're just taking her for insurance. I, I don't remember, so we'll have to follow up on that. But the, I think the other thing with this issue, this scene, obviously, is the subplot that there's somebody looking. There's there's like somebody looking on at her. Like he he says, "I found her. I better report in." It's only like what three little panels um, on that first page, uh, and then you don't see this character again until later on, and you don't fi- find out. What it's about, and you're not going to find out at all until they get to an annual way down the way. So, um, we'll talk about that in a couple more pages when we see this character a little more clearly. How much do you like this uh, this next page? The the shot of the Legion cruiser from the top down. Yeah, I love that. Different I camera. How, different. Yeah, camera I love how yeah. Giffen is playing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, giving us different angles and and. Uh, it's just playing with perspective and the way that he does from that angle. I just, I just dig it. It's really cool. Or look at the next panel where the legionnaires are all there, like the third panel and they're all in silhouette. So you have no idea. You just have to know who chameleon boy is, right? Like you have to know who he is by his silhouette to know that he's talking because he has antenna. You have to know who Shadowlass is because she has that big cow. And speaking of her cowl, you know, you mentioned before how how her, uh, you know, the use of blacks with her and and how her hair just melts or, or not melts, but uh, blends in with her cowl. Yeah. And you get that great tiny little panel there at the bottom of the page. You know, uh, this this guard character dies from this 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 attack from the, the Daxamite that we're going to see in a minute. And, you know, she's looking down and, and very forlornly you know, just announces he's gone and she's, she's literally shrouded in, in shadow, in darkness. And yes, it's, you know, she's shadow last, but I just, I really dug the way that, that uh, they decided to color that particular tiny little panel to, to, you know, strengthen that scene to, to give it a bit of, of, of emotional weight. Yeah. I don't remember Olvir from, uh, Who's who's the young Daxamite that is destroying Dacron Galtos, and then in this sequence he kills a prisoner or a guard. I don't remember him from the Great Darkness Saga. It's been a while since I've read that, but um, he's a he's a Daxamite holdover from when Darkseid took over Daxam, and uh, he's a little bit of a punk. Isn't didn't he? Wasn't he the the young Daxamite in in the? I think it was on Dacron Galtos where when when Chameleon Boy was briefly imprisoned there and he didn't have his powers then and i think he was he was fighting against this character i don't i i don't remember now i'm i'm yeah. probably mixing it up but i i seem to remember seeing this character before yeah um but monel certainly takes it to heart because he's a daxamite himself and oh yeah yeah the, yeah cuz then yeah he <laughs> i love that um i'm glad you recognize me I'd hate to break every bone in your body without you knowing who did it. (laughs) 
and you know the guy the guy is like yeah whatever you you uh you stupid legionnaire and 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 monel just you know attacks him you know this is not this is not the heroic uh daxamite that i'm used to you know the the, the guy who usually is very uh contemplative and and uh you know, very thoughtful. He's just reacting emotionally to this this horrific thing that this, you know, a representative from his planet has done. Yeah, and I really dug that. Well, I always, I got that sense about Monel from this run, uh, especially later issues, but also in the five years later that, you know, DC around zero hour. Um, so we're talking like the early nineties. They really made a. They were like making this little push to consider Monel the most powerful humanoid in the universe. Um so when he was known as Valor in the in the early 90s, right? Um even more powerful than Superman. He was he was called the most powerful humanoid in the in the universe. And I always like these moments of when he he kind of goes against that heroic nature because he is someone who is so powerful like what must that must what must that be like to live with something like that to know that you could destroy a world with you know barely breaking a sweat mm-hmm. and and this sequence you know which is pretty hor- hor- horrific you know this young daxamite kills a guard ultra whoever he is ultra boy tries to save him but he can't and ultra boy's like standing over this kneeling over this charred body and and just like a good supervillain does, Olvir tries to pontificate about, you know, himself or whatever. And like you said, Monel just goes right on the offensive and attacks him. And a lot of this stuff, a lot of what we're seeing, you know, shrinking violet growing up, Monel, um, uh, Jim and Yira, you know, moving out, you know, in the next sequence, they move into their apartment, um, their new apartment in Metropolis. Um it really makes me feel like all of those imaginary stories that featured the adult Legion, this is the adult Legion. Yeah. You know, a lot of times readers sort of think five years later is the one that grew them up. And it did, you know, I mean that they, they were old, much older. I think even Saturn girl and lightning lad might've even been in their thirties during that volume. But I really feel like, you know, no, they're not in their 30s and 40s in this thing, but they're not teenagers in this in this book. And and that's what makes them interesting. I think maybe that's why I like this book so much. Um, they're not the the kids that are trying to play jokes, try to play jokes on Superboy. They're they're legit characters and adults that have problems and have issues and that have feelings. Um so this this the tone of this book is you know really spot on with that whole um let's try to make them more than just the boy, the girl, the kid and um let's try to give them something something meatier to play with. Yeah, that's it's really funny you say that because I was I was thinking along the same lines. I could I could totally see a through line from this first issue to the 5 year later uh, Legion, and of course connecting um, thematically to the to the adult Legion stories of of yesteryear. Yeah, and and yeah, I was I was really digging that. Yeah, I you know I really like this idea of 
in all my comics, you know, I, I, I always like the idea of seeing the characters grow and grow up. Um, you know, you, you, we saw that a lot with, uh, with Dick Grayson under Marv Wolfman's and, and George Perez's, uh, uh, um, handling in the new Teen Titans, and you see that here in the Legion, uh, maybe not as dramatically as as with Dick, but uh, you you get that just little bits like this, and they're really throwing it at us a lot in in this first issue with Jim and and like we're t- like you said the the reactions of some of the characters and yeah, it just really that really uh, connected with me and resonated with me uh, even all those years ago. I mean, you know what you said about Dick Grayson. I mean, this Legion is going to experience sort of like a change like that. You know, it's kind of like shaking up the complacency. So Marv Wolfman creates that character of Tara to throw her into the mix of the new Teen Titans to kind of mess them up a little bit. And, you know, the Legion it has been so successful as adventurers and as protectors and nothing bad ever happens to them, well, this volume, there's a lot of bad that happens to them. And and I think it's a way to show that... Um, I think what people think five years later, that they think that that's the volume that um, uh, went a little bit overboard and trying to, to make so much drama. But I think he was just riffing off of stuff that he did with Paul Levitz. I mean, some of this isn't all that different. Um, trying to just show scenes like this next one again, like we talked about, uh, Colossal Boy and Yera moving into a new home. What's dramatic about that? The, you know, other than the fact that he sees that his mother, who was the president of Earth, she resigns. Right? Like there, there's a point to this scene, but it's just a, a married couple moving into a, a a new place. Like, what kid really wants to read that? But. <laughs> But it's still it has a point and it's a different form of storytelling. And, and I think Keith Giffen is is when you get to the five years later, he's just riffing on everything that came before. Like he's like, no, I know how to write the Legion because I worked with Paul Levitz, who also knew how to write the Legion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's 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 a lot of stuff coming up way, way, way down, you know, of just like. Oh, you thought the Legion of Superheroes was always about like utopia and and um, um, characters where nothing bad ever happened? Well, we got something in store for you. So, Peter, there's a couple things I wanted to uh, touch on before we move on to the next scene here. Um, I, I, I talked about the the different um, or the how panels were on the page, and you mentioned the rounded corners of the panels. Mm-hmm. There, there's this one page here where we see Olvir kill uh another character i presume a guard um but all of the panels on that page except for one maybe two but they're kind of weird too but they're all the the panel borders are these black lines but they're kind of wavy going around and i thought that was strange uh i'm not quite sure how to take that um other than the the heat from Olvir's heat vision, you know how heat will will make things shimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're looking at it, uh, looking you know looking at a fire, you look above it and you see things shimmer. Um, I, I kind of don't think that that's all that's going on here. So I wonder, I was curious what what you how you took that. What do you, what do you think is going on here? Why why did uh, Giffen decide to 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 shape the borders in the way that he did on that page? 
I think it's for mood and atmosphere. Um, if you ever read All Star Squadron Annual Number, I want to say three. It's this oversized annual where um, the All Star Squadron is going up against a character named Ian Carkle. And it's a way to show various members of the All-Star Squadron as drawn by different artists. So, like, there's an Our Man chapter drawn by George Perez. And, um, you know, Jerry Ordway has a chapter in there. Well, there's a chapter with Dr. Fate drawn by Keith Giffen. And Keith Giffen used to draw Dr. Fate in a backup story, um... Oh, I forget what the main title was. Maybe Flash? I forget. I think Uh, so. Yeah. And in this All-Star Squadron issue, uh, Dr. Fate is confronting Ian Carkle, and he's he's confronting him in a house made of human flesh. And all the panels are, like, squiggly and gross, and stuff is bleeding, and... And it feels cramped and shadowy, and I think that's what he's doing here. It's it's kind of sort of sort of to suggest that um, there's something really bad going on. You know that that totally makes sense. Uh, but I guess uh, you know, jaded comic reader that I am, the the callous murder of an unknown character that I'm you know I've never seen before and will never see again. I I, I kind of question the. Uh, the usage of, of, of the panels, the way that he did that, even though I, I recognize that, that, you know, he's trying to create this mood. I just, I think perhaps the, uh, the execution didn't quite meet the, uh, uh, what we see on the page, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Some of it too, is I, I feel like had I, had I just read the great darkness saga and, you know, led up to this issue and go, Oh my God, there's that young punk, Daxamite again and 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 how often is it that you see the legionnaires not able to rescue someone mm-hmm. so so yeah like the death itself may not hit but that scene of ultra boy because like when you go to the next like if we skip over the the interlude for a second um where Monel is fighting Olvir and ultra boy is like still kneeling yeah, And all the other prisoners, they like sort of go, oh, he's out of it. Just jump on him. And he's like, oh, really? Well, let me just shrug you all off. In fact, that's what the, the <laughs> you know. The... So, I, so I like that, you know, like it's giving Ultra Boy a, a little bit of a, it's, it's like dramatic tension. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. necessarily, uh, it's a good pace. It's, a, it's something different with the Legion of Superheroes, you know. They're, oh, yeah. When do they ever, when do they ever experience defeat? on that kind of level where they can't, can't save anybody. And, you know, that's just going to be small fry compared to what's coming up in some of the later issues. Oh yeah. Yeah. Back on the Colossal boy, uh, scene with, uh, the news about her, his mother. Mm-hmm. Did we, did we know already that he was Jewish? Yeah. I, I want to say there's some previous issues where we've got okay. some hints and Paul Levitz is Jewish. Um, so, and I don't know if Keith Giffen is, but I know Paul is because he, there's a couple character creations and some things that um, come that he he named to be sort of referencing some Jewish characters and stuff. So, or Jewish words or whatever. So, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe that might be something that might be interesting to to go back and look. But um, if we didn't know before, we certainly know now. Yeah, I I wonder uh, as I'm as I as things caught my eye when I was reading this issue. Is it really that important? And and to you know, given given the the history of the Legion, you know, not just not just my reading of the Legion before this issue, but all the year, you know, all the decades before. Um, there's just, I, maybe I'm just trying to, uh, make connections where there, I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to have a connection to the history in some fashion, whether it's, you know, an issue ago or, or 20 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, my brain is automatically trying to connect the dots for things that maybe aren't really all that pertinent. But. Well, there is a backup story where. Jim and Yura go to dinner with his mom. It's like the first time Yura meets his mom and she thinks she's going to freak out, but she winds up giving her like some kind of present. And uh, Mm. it's it's drawn by George Tuska. I'm pretty sure it's in one of the tales books or, you know, uh, one of the issues prior to this. Mm -hmm. Um, And there, so there might be some reference there that uh, about their Jewish, Jewish heritage. But it, what, what's great about it, though, is, you know, her resigning as president, um, it's, it's political, right? Like that's a political subplot. It's, it feels like it's a little minor thing. But when you think about the Legion and their relation to like the United Planets and, and the government of Earth, having a president, a new president, who maybe may not be fans of the Legion of Superheroes could be trouble, and I think that's I think that is something that happens later on, way later on. Um, you know, it's it's their relation again, if you want to touch on the five years later Legion stuff. I mean, that that book was way political at times. So um it's it feels like it's something very little. It's just like one of those it's like a Chris Claremont X Men subplot. You just read it and you're like, what the hell does that mean? And you won't know, you won't figure it out for another like twenty issues. That's one of the things, though, I love about about uh, Levitz's plotting and his uh, his subplots and all that kind of stuff is that you you don't you don't always get the payoff immediately, but man, when you get it, it's it's like oh my gosh, what look what he did ten issues ago or or twenty issues ago or whatever. Well, that I mean, this next sequence where we that same detective character that was looking at uh, lightning last light last, excuse me, um, Alia. Elia Rands. I mean, this subplot again. We won't. This doesn't resolve for like another year after this. Yeah, yeah. Now there are and hints. It, there are hints, but you got to really know your stuff to figure it out. And and it's good to see that uh, private investigators are still alive and well in the thirtieth thirtieth century. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, here here's uh, here you know they're still they, we go back to to uh, them fighting Olvir and uh, that's this this is the scene where he gets sucked up into that portal and and they're like uh, stepping through the guy the, the 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 teleporter is saying stepping through and becoming a member of new legion of supervillains and is that I think it's I think it's Shady who says the supervillains oh no right <laughs> it's almost like it's like uh, oh the annoyance of this week. The way, that's kind of the way it's it comes off to me, and it's it's certainly not going to be just an annoyance. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we don't know. Like we, it, it, the the danger really isn't there. Um, 
it is I do like that panel though on the next page on the last page where Monel tries to fly in and the disembodied voice says no but then there's a huge letter uh lettering effect that he sort of screams no um and again it's not often that the legion can't handle what's in front of them and uh for them to for them to open the portal that wide and take in a few more prisoners um, to be part of their team and then to be able to shut out the Legion, you know, that's, it's cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Especially with, with two of the Legion's most powerful members right there. Mm -hmm. What'd you make of the, so it ends with another going back to the castle where lightning Lord is looking at this storm, you know, very, in a very sort of like foreshadowing way. Um, what do you think of that? What do you make of those last couple panels there? The way that lightning Lord is rubbing that, 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 um, uh, tile, of that's, you know, the symbol of his brother, mm-hmm. you know, he's saying it's a beautiful evening, isn't it? Simply beautiful. And he's rubbing that, that tile. And I, I don't know. I can't decide if he's, looking forward to what's coming next or if he's dreading it again i haven't read these these later issues um and i'm not trying to read them you know for for these episodes i really just want to read the one issue um for i just look at it and go i think he's rubbing the blood off of the the tile Mm. almost as if to say he's not going to go through with what he what they want him to do because if you go back to page three there's a a lot of blood on the tile and his finger would be right over one of the drop a cup a bunch of the droplets and and it's almost like you know is he playing the legion of supervillains is he you know what's his game you never know with mech you know you never know with family so that's a that's an interesting panel, you know. It's I, I don't think it's just him like rubbing it as if to say, "Ooh, you know, soon it will be my turn." I almost feel like he really, truly is wiping the blood away. Well, and and especially, you know, I know where the where he ends up with the Legion, you know, before it become before they reboot it. So, is this the beginning of that, or is it is it down the road after this storyline that that um, he seeks redemption? And it yeah. would totally make sense if it's this, um, given your your interpretation of those those final panels. I'm really interested to find out what his game is, you know. Um, and they even like Sun Emperor comes in and says, you know, we got all these other members, but nobody makes reference that Light Lasses has been captured. Um, uh, it's just curious. It's a curious ending. It's not necessarily helped by the artwork, you know, there's a lot of questions and, uh, I'm like, Oh, see now I have to, I can't wait to read the next issue just to see if maybe we follow yeah. up on that. Now, Peter, are you, are you messing with me? Do you, do you know that, that, uh, lightning Lord is going to, uh, side with the, the Legion, of, uh, eventually in this story? No, I don't remember. Cause I, no. I, I honestly cannot remember. No, I so, can't remember either. Okay. I don't think he does. I think, I don't know what, that's why I don't know what to make of this. You know, that's something I didn't get when I was reading this as a kid. I didn't get how ominous Lightning Lord is. And and there's an issue like around, oh, I don't know, what is it, like 302 or three or somewhere around there where 
all the lightning lightning lad and lightning lord go at it and mm, um, that's right yeah so i mean we're talking like you know a little more than a year prior to this and um but i it's been years since i've read that issue so i don't know i forget um of all the members of the legion of supervillains i mean lightning lord is one of the ones that gets a lot of attention so uh, and we haven't even seen Lightning Lad or Saturn Girl in this issue. So it, it it just makes me go, I do not know what he's doing there. And I want to know what, what's up with him. And maybe we don't get a payoff. I don't know. Like I said, it's been a while since I've read these issues. So, mm-hmm. But it's good. It's a good ending. I like it. Yeah. What a cliffhanger type situation. Um, and, 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 and a quiet one. You know, that's... As as a kid, I'm sure I'm like, well, you know, what happens next? You know, what? Where, give me, give me the, give me the big fight scene or whatever. But you know, now and and having having been exposed to to so many different um, stories, not just comics, but you know, in literature and whatnot. Um, after all these years, you know, I really appreciate that kind of an ending. That that am, ambiguous character study of of an ending uh, of this of this first chapter even the the whole revelation that the super legion of supervillains are a team the, the legion discovers it but we've already known it right so what are you going to do you, you can't have some false cliffhanger you can't have them like all show up and say haha we're here we're the legion of supervillains well yeah we knew that from page one we knew that they were coming so that's not the point, right? Like, I don't know what the point is. And I, I don't mean that negatively. I mean, like, yeah, there's a plan, but it feels like there's a lot of ulterior motives going on. Lightning Lord could just be using the Legion of Supervillains for whatever purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's storytelling. It's a different kind of storytelling. It's a storytelling that uh, I think they're just taking a chance with because they, they know they can. I've always felt that the five year later Legion run was one of the better executed ones, but having read this first issue now and having this discussion with you, I see now why you like this, this, uh, this particular run of the Legion so much. And I just, I, I guess I just didn't appreciate it as much back then for some reason. And, and, you know, that was foolish. <laughs> When people used to really lay into the five years later Legion uh, stories, I used to go, I don't know how you can be a Legion fan and think that the five years later was not was all that different. I mean, the Baxter run is dense and it's only going to get denser. It's been decades since I've read this, read these uh, issues. So I'm really curious to see if this story um, succeeds by the end of the five issues. So one of the things, uh, that was in the, uh, the letter column that I I think is a nice bookend to, to our discussion here is, uh, they were discussing the, the new format, uh, saying this format will permit us to be a little more lavish in our stories and art and a little more daring in where our storylines go. And as a popular title, we felt the Legion of Superheroes deserved this format. For comic historians, the editor is Karen Berger. Yeah. <laughs> who, I think she edited Wonder Woman. She was editing, I know she em- uh, edited Amethyst. 
She was the editor on Swamp Thing. I mean, she was on books that they were taking chances. They were they. I think I think this is why she was such a good editor editor for Vertigo because she cut her teeth on comics that DC comics that um, you know they had a lot to say and and they mm-hmm. weren't afraid to try things. Yeah, th- think about that, Peter. What what if she were editing the new Teen Titans? Yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to go to that alternate universe where that happened and read those comics again. I have a, a couple um, reader reactions, so I went ahead to issue. I don't know if it was like issue six or seven. I think it was issue six. I didn't read the issue, but I just read the letter columns to mm-hmm. see what people thought of this issue. And um, they only had a few letters, but one of them was was from a writer named Catherine, and she said. This new fancy format stinks. The colors are great. The format is fine. The art is good. The plot is awful. You have you have got the Legion being about 3000% grimmer than Batman has ever been. And oh, what's geez. and what's with the violence? You seem to be using the more expensive format as a forum for depicting realism. There was no fun, no laughter, no joy in the first issue. And I read that and I thought, damn, this is even before 1986 where, where people thought comics went grim and gritty. But uh-huh. uh, here she is, you know, she did not like this issue at all. <laughs> I don't know. Huh. I thought, I mean, yeah, there's no fun, no laughter. I mean, there's some humorous moments in this book. I don't, I don't think it's devoid of humor. No, no, not at all. And and you, you know we were we we were talking about that scene on Daxum between the 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 heroes. You know those those are just quiet, lovely moments. Yeah. You know we we don't get that many, granted, but those are. I don't know that we ever that we really got those in the previous volume. Uh, maybe, maybe in some of the later issues leading up to this to the Baxter run, but. I don't know. I, I'd much rather have something like that than lighthearted fun, you know, superhero fun that, that we may have gotten in previous previous issues. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the this book has always been a soap opera. I mean, I remember yeah. an, issue, uh, an issue prior to this volume where Dawnstar and Wildfire are having some fight and, and he gets so mad that he blows himself up. And the sound effect says, damn, you know, like... Um, or there's been tragedy, there's been quiet moments, people just sitting around playing video games or whatever. I mean, this this book has always been a mix of different tones and emotions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talked about Ultra Boy on, on Daxum destroying that rock. So look at him there like someone who has that much power and who can create and help to restore life or help to help to make it so that this world could find peace again. But then you juxtapose that against him not being able to save that guard. And what's all that power worth if you can't save anybody? You know, what's one more, what's one more piece of dirt if you can't even save somebody to enjoy it? So, right. Um, that's, that's not grim. I think that's an interesting exploration of a character, like you said, who's usually a dumb jock. You know, I, you didn't say that, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like he's, he hasn't been, he's not usually known for his smarts or, or for his introspective nature. So, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So there was another feedback, um, from another letter writer who 
I'm pretty sure it was a letter hack in the day. His name was Rex Joyner. And he was asking, so apparently the Legion of Superheroes, the Baxter issue would come out, and then a week later, the next Tales of the Legion issue would come out. And he was complaining because sometimes they would come out the same week. So they responded and said, since the titles come from different printers, Tales comes from World Color in Sparta, Illinois, and Legion of Superheroes comes from Ronald's in Montreal. In some stores, they arrive simultaneously due to the delivery dates of distributors and shippers. So I thought it was a nice little interesting look at that time of how many different um, printers they used and and that at this time there were different distributors. It wasn't just Diamond. So that's an interesting look back at the industry at that time. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember looking at, for some reason, <laughs> I always was conscious of the fact that, that the comics were printed uh, a lot in Canada mm-hmm. uh, from my recollection. Um, and I think now that, uh, at some point, China was was uh, uh, big in that uh, in in the comics industry for for printing. Yeah, um, I don't know what it is today, but for some reason, back when I was a kid, I I seem to be overly interested in <laughs> where my comics were printed. There's another estimate that I like too from one of the other later letter columns, especially in regards to like the idea of. Why are they sticking this Baxter run in direct only sale, uh, direct sale only outlets, as opposed to the newsstand? Um, why didn't they just stop the the Tales book? And and so they talked about if they would have done that, they would have lost a lot of readers because at this time in 1984, estimates are that there were only about two to four thousand direct sale outlets, whereas newsstand outlets places that could carry comics just out, you know, in the mainstream, there were upwards of 30 to 40,000. Wow. So sure. Like a lot of those newsstand outlets are just little people on the corner, you know, and those comics probably sit there and nobody buys any of them. But think of the exposure you get for 30 to 40,000 different outlets, as opposed to two to 4,000, comic stores or direct sale outlets. Um, right. Because you know, the direct market was really just sort of in its infancy at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice, I thought that was an interesting factor. And and for something like this that was very popular, I mean, they really had to, they were taking, I think they were taking a chance of just putting these books in direct markets. Yeah, they had no idea what, how how it would go, right? And And yet they're putting all this effort all this creative energy into what is essentially uh, uh, a 10th of the potential um, uh, spots where they could sell things. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think that they would do anything like that these days. Could you imagine that that they put out a a comic that would only be sold in a hundred or 200 places? Unfortunately, the nature of it is sort of that way because newsstands finally just said, no, we're done with comics. So, yeah, you know, they, they almost had no choice. That's why digital, I think, is so important. It's like the new newsstand. Mm. So one of the things, again, in that, in that letter column, um, they talked about uh, the, doing the, the Baxter 
issue doing the Baxter run here uh, gives gives them the chance uh, to jump into the format that offers creative folks the most potential in the medium today. We're planning on taking it to the limit. Uh, this is in that. I think that's the letter from the editor there. But so, what do you think? Do, are they are they were did they deliver on their promise on this first issue? Uh, based on what they said they wanted to, or what they where they said they were going to set out from. Um, although I don't remember the you know the specifics of the later issues, I do remember the feeling that the these first five issues were big. Now they 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 weren't necessarily as big as Great Darkness Saga, mm-hmm. but I remember walking away from these first five, especially the later issues with some of the artwork and what happens in it. Um, and sort of thinking, man, we don't get stories like that in the Legion often. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, although I'm going to be a little biased with my answer, I do think they <laughs> I, I think they do. I think I think it's I think the storytelling nature of this first issue alone is miles ahead of books that we get now. Um, books that you finish reading in freaking three minutes, um, you know. You don't get the characterization. You don't get you don't get a book like this that treats the reader um, with respect. You know that that they know you're a fan of this series. They they want to hit things that they know you're going to like. Um, if you're not quite sure of who is who or what's going on, it's not because the creators are being sloppy. It's because they just are they're just it's it's a pace it's a pacing you have to give yourself over to it's a, it's a style you have to give yourself over to it's not wordy it's not like chris claremont with all these narrations the dialogue exists on its own the artwork exists for you to figure it out and um i it's the kind of book i like it's you know i i'd like to dig into books like this i've always liked books like this when the X yeah, yeah, when the X Men did it right, like my X Men are when Chris Claremont and John Romita Jr. were on it, and he wasn't as narrative as as he was in you know during the John Byrne years. Um, but even like the same thing, there were issues where they never even fought; they just sat around and played baseball or whatever. And and I loved it. I love these big ensemble books um, that that um, they don't look they don't look down at you. Do we have big ensemble books like this anymore? Yeah. It it seems like even even the group books that we do have, they've broken up. Yeah. You know, we have X-Men Blue and what is it? X-Men Gold and Yeah. Uh you know, the, the Justice League is the the only other equivalent right now, I think on the DC side. Well, did you And it's not that big. Did you see the news? Well, you did. I, you reacted to it on Twitter as we were recording this. We we're recording this on uh Friday, August 18th. I don't, I'm not sure when we'll release it, but um, Jim Lee tweeted out that he was having dinner with, oh, yeah. with Mr. <laughs> Jonathan Hickman and talk about a guy who knows how to handle big casts and big no ideas. Kidding. And I was like, please, please let him be in the, be in the running to, to write a Legion book. Because I think, I think he'll do what we talked about. I think you and I mentioned where... Um, we were talking about Star Trek Discovery, um, how I'm disappointed that they decided to place Star Trek Discovery 
10 years prior to the Kirk era mm-hmm. when they really should have gone the route of what they did with Next Generation and just said, F it, let's go 100 years in the future, 500 years in the future, whatever, and start all over again as at somewhere new, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that if they do, if they, if Hickman is writing a, the Legion or whoever, that they don't just try to make the old stuff fit into the modern sensibility. Like, just make some new characters or, you know, push it another thousand years into the future from the future, you know, and and we get maybe some daughters and sons of the Legion members that we know. But mm, I'm, yeah. I'm all about, like, just start new and fresh and, and – uh, Maybe that's something Jonathan Hickman will be able to do. If I, I, I'm just speculating, nobody knows what he's going to do. But right, right. But we we certainly, I mean, we want a new a new Legion book, right? Sure. A good Legion book. Well, yeah. Not just a rehash. <laughs> I don't want the Ultimate Legion, right? Like I don't want I don't want what Marvel did with ultimates were basically the ultimate universe where they just were basically telling the same stories in a modern setting. I don't want that. Oh uh, yeah. We shall see. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our first episode. It's a little longer than I thought we thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. But we had a lot of preamble <laughs> stuff and we'll get more specific, you know, especially now that the next couple of issues will play off of what we already talked about. So, um, what I do want to say to people who are reading, if you are reading along with us and you have questions, don't wait until we talk about that issue. Like, obviously, the next episode is going to be about issue two. So if you're reading it now and you have a question, send it right away so that maybe we can incorporate it into that episode, right? Um or if like you're reading issue three, issue four, issue five, and we haven't even recorded two yet, send us an email and say, hey, I'm reading issue two, and there's something on this page that I would, can you guys make sure that you talk about it or give a little bit of more of yeah. an explanation? So that way, it's less about like feedback and more like an ongoing conversation. So um, I think that'll give us, it'll give us time to contemplate the the questions too, (laughs) (laughs) you know, definitely give us feedback on this episode. Let us know what you think. If you've read these issues before, if you sort of feel the same or different, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily maybe Eric, you know, I I don't want to speak for you, but I'm not necessarily interested if you like this episode or not, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we've been in this game too long. Like I can give a shit what people think like, Oh God, you guys are so boring. Okay, great. Don't listen. Great. There's other podcasts you can listen to. I, (laughs) but you know, like we, we don't know what this is going to be. We're going to feel it out for ourselves, you know? Um, but what do you think of the issue? Like give us something to think about or something to talk about that maybe we didn't or, or give us something to talk about for the next couple issues coming down the pike. Um, um, you know, Eric and I will probably do this if nobody listens. So it, if anything, mm-hmm. we, we get to read Legion stories, which is fun. And yeah, and chat about it. So that's, that's, you know, that, that's a good night's uh, entertainment right there yeah. for me. Yeah. And we'll get, like I said, we'll get, we'll get more concise. And our plan is to, um, we'll put this one out. We're going to put it out on both our respective feeds. Um, 
And then down the pike, what we're hoping to do is to record like maybe two episodes in a night so that we have um, stuff in the can. Um, I don't know what kind of schedule we're going to be on now. Um, we'll wait to see what uh, the next time we could record. Um, that way it gives us, uh, you know, we can, we can go at our own pace and um, try to get through uh, at least the first five and, and take stock and see what we want to do, you know, see, see how the podcast grows after that. So why don't you let them know where they can email you? Well, you can email me at uh, longboxreview.com or you can also just message me on Twitter. That's usually a, a good way to get a hold of me. But uh, if you have any questions or any long-form feedback, long, uh, longboxreview at gmail.com. Whoops, I screwed that up. Longboxreview at gmail.com is where you want to email me. <laughs> longboxreview.com is the website where you can leave messages uh, where this will be posted eventually. And what do you got coming up on your show? I, again, I don't know when this is going to be out, but what have you done or what are you looking forward to on your show? Uh, well, I have um, probably by the time people hear this, they I will have already released our conversation about secret identities. Cool. And uh, I'm also planning, I haven't recorded it yet as of this recording, but I'm planning on doing a, uh, a uh, something to do with Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Oh, nice. What about you? If you want to email me, it's peter at thedailyreels.com. Um, I just, by the time this episode goes up, uh, completed four what I'm calling breakdown episodes, taking a look at everything leading up to metal number one from DC. So the ash can the forge one shot, the casting one shot. And then I'll, uh, tomorrow I think I'm doing a recording for metal number one. And ah. it's a, a detailed, a far more, you know, a real in-depth conversation about what the hell these books mean and, and, um, what they're hinting at and, and all this. And it's kind of fun. I, I always like doing those. It's sort of, sort of similar to what we did here, but mm -hmm. you know, not this one wasn't quite as in-depth. Um, uh, and purposefully so, right? We just yeah. we just sort of want to gush about the Legion. I'm sure we'll hit an issue in the future where where we're going to be like <laughs> that issue sucked, but uh, for now, <laughs> you know, for now it's kind of cool. So so yeah, so that those are the big uh, episodes I put out this week, and that uh, hopefully people listen to. And you know, I'm I'm not just saying this because I'm I'm talking with Peter right now, but they're really good episodes. Oh, cool! If you if you like. If you like listening to uh, someone talk about the making connections to to the greater DC universe and between uh, various storylines and characters and you know the, the 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 history of the DC universe and wh how it's connecting to what's going on now and the future, Peter's your guy. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll 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 you know put this episode together and figure out how we're going to put it out. We're going to put it on it on both our feeds, but, um, uh, you know, Eric and I will talk about that. And like we said, give us some feedback. And I think we, uh, we've said enough. So why don't we say goodbye and then, uh, we'll give this, we'll put this baby out into the ether and let them react. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you next time, Eric. Thank you, Peter. Yep.